Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello and welcome to Affected by Altitude. It is the 13th hour of the 13th day of the 13th month, and we are gathered here today to discuss the misprinted calendars. I mean, lousy smarch weather. I mean, Rockies baseball. That, that's what we're here to discuss. I am your host, Evan Lang. As always, I am joined by my uh, companion, Skylar Timmons. Let Monty cook. We'll get into that, but let him cook. And delighted to have with us today, Kenneth Weber from Pebble Report. I'm happy to be here. Thanks, guys. And I'm just happy to be watching baseball, no matter how much of a dumpster fire the Rockies can be at times. <laughs> it was pretty great to be able to actually like sit back and watch a game yesterday in its entirety. The uh, the Rockies-Mariners game yesterday, which was a uh, joint broadcast. That was pretty interesting. Because uh, it was basically, it was Dave Sims and Mike Blowers, and then... They just kept rotating in uh, Sully and Drew Goodman for the broadcast, and they would do interviews with Rockies players while the Mariners guys did interviews with the Mariners players. It was it was strange, and I'm wondering if um, if that's a portent of things to come when it comes to the regional sports net malarkey, because uh, the the clock is ticking on that. If you uh, if you remember, we have until March 31st to regain our own broadcasting rights. So we'll see how that goes. But that's not what we are here to talk about today. We are here to talk about something honestly even more frustrating, and that is the two serious injuries that the Rockies have sustained to start spring training. And we're going to start with probably the biggest one, and that is um, on Tuesday last week, uh, Brendan Rogers did a routine diving grab at second base 
and did not get up right away, uh, dislocated his left shoulder. And it is now known that the damage is a lot more serious than first expected. The, uh, the capsule in the shoulder is damaged and it is likely that he is going to require, uh, season ending surgery and will probably not play at all here in 2023. Uh, so guys, what are your thoughts on the Brendan Rogers injury? Not good, Bob. <laughs> it's, it's, it's rough because. 20, I think a lot of us are agreeing that 2022 or 2023 was a year for Rutgers to really break out uh, as his first full season, healthy and everything, or a full season here again, second season, 2022, he finally got through healthy for the most part, decent season, but he seemed poised to break out, got the gold glove, and this just puts a damper on a lot of things because Injuries have just continued to just derail his career. And he's what, 26 now or something? And yeah. losing another uh, losing another season. And he only has two really full seasons under his belt, really one full season. It's not good. And, and it's rough and it's going to make things a lot more complicated for the Rockies that we'll get into. But it, it creates some problems and it's unfortunate for him. I will say, however, I don't think this is as crippling to the Rockies as a lot of folks think it will. Losing Brendan Rodgers does not mean the Rockies lose 100 games. Uh, he's not going to be make or break if they win or lose 100 games. Not going to win. The, he's not going to help them win 100 games. <laughs> but it, it sucks, especially for him, and it hurts things a lot. But I don't think it's as serious in the grand scheme of things of how the Rockies operate this upcoming season as a lot of folks on Twitter may have you believe. Yeah, it's it's a major drag um, for for all the aforementioned reasons. It, it, when you talked about this current roster, Rogers and Ezekiel Tovar stand out as the two guys that could take a step into stardom. Um, obviously, Chris Bryant is somebody that you expect to kind of get back to relevant stardom. Um, and, and but you know, we saw his peak. There was a, there was an MVP season that's already in his. Um, on the back of his baseball card. But Rodgers has always had that caliber, that potential to become an all-star player. And Ezekiel Tovar, even though he's a rookie, he's exceeded every expectation that's been put in his way so far. And the expectation right now is starting shortstop opening day. So um, those were the positives you were hoping to take away from this season, really what the Rockies could form with that middle infield and with, with Rogers going down, they weren't in a position to where they were going to be overly competitive and they're not as bad as a lot of projection systems always label them to be. So does it make them a better team? No, losing Brendan Rogers hurts, but this is also a team that's probably going to be hovering around the 90 loss mark as, as it is. That's not a 10 loss change that's going in especially now if chris bryant goes down with it okay now we're talking about what is actually in this lineup mm-hmm. uh, but there's still some pieces out there to kind of keep them relatively in that same below average tier that they're in um with rogers in particular and and how this is for his career skyler you mentioned that he's already had some lost time and it was the right shoulder and it was the right labrum replacement in particular that really slowed down his development and took him from being on the doorstep of the major leagues to needing three years to finally become an established big league, big leaguer. Um, And part of that is for a a 
an impact hitter like he is. He's not just a slap single guy. He's not quite the home run guy that maybe we anticipate he is, but he's a good extra base hit machine. Great contact, average power. Shoulders affect that a lot. And it takes guys a while to come back from shoulder injuries. And we already saw that be the case with Brendan Rodgers. And honestly, he was still kind of working his way back. Mm-hmm. When you have a shoulder dislocation, more often than not, the labrum tears. And so now you could be looking at a situation where he has now rehabbed a torn labrum in his right sh- shoulder back to whatever percentage of healthy he was able to get it to and may now be having to go all over again with the left shoulder. And what does that do for Brendan Rodgers, the hitter? It's going to be interesting what he looks like when he comes out of this one, um, because we don't know the severity of the shoulder injury other than it's bad. And that's just bad news for for somebody who's had a lot of bad news injury wise in his career to this point. Yeah. And with Rodgers, what we saw last year was he had that brutal, brutal slump in April. And then after that emerged and was hit fairly well last season, minus the really bad ground ball percentage, but that was sort of a team wide issue. And I think a lot of us were looking forward to seeing what he could do this year. If he started putting the ball in the air or at least more line drives, not necessarily fly balls. You're not necessarily looking for him to be a home run hitter. Like you said, Kenneth, but the big thing for him was that infield defense where won his first gold glove uh, was given the, um, fielding Bible award for second base. He was one of, if not the best defensive second baseman in the league last year. And losing that is really tough uh, for the Rockies. But like you said, it's not going to make us like a 10 plus worse win team. Um, by uh, BUR last year, Brandon Rogers was the most valuable player on the team with, I think it was like 4.3, but that's still, you know, middle of the road compared to what you get from some star players. And there is still room for improvement there. And I think that's what really is the shame about this is that you're losing a, a year of improvement and of him being able to step up because he really, he really could blossom into being a, a superstar of some kind. Um, and, and that's sort of what we've been hoping for for all these years now, where when he was the, the Rockies number one overall prospect and we just, kept waiting and he kept getting hurt or the Rockies did something silly like instead of giving him playing time signing Daniel Murphy to play first base and then having Ryan McMahon play second instead of Rogers and it's been all over the place for him and then last year he finally gets what is his first full year of playing time and moving into his second year of that and now it's just sort of flushed and and how unfortunate now looking back hindsight 2020 of the rumored trade with the Miami Marlins to send like Brendan Rogers over there to get a young starting pitcher hindsight's 2020, but you see the injury. Now you're like, man, missed opportunity there. And no, now we're kind of stuck with Rogers. I don't want to say stuck. It kind of sounds harsh, but you know, the Rockies, they've made their bed with him. Now he's was going to be their second baseman. Now they're going to try to reel, and figure out how do we readjust some things, which we've talked about this before. It's pretty easy to fill this hole if they play their cards right. But losing Rodgers, man, that, that hurts. And then thinking about the trades that could have been and moving him, you know, if he's valuable enough, move him at the deadline or in the offseason. Now it's kind of his value diminishes greatly in any kind of potential trade maybe. Yeah, and you know that the Rockies aren't really a big trading team 
but it's definitely something that you would have wanted to to look at and Skyler, like you said uh like both of you said this is not the the death sentence for the team that you would think it could be because there's a really straightforward solution to this and we've talked about it at length this week i wrote about it we've talked about it on twitter and that is you move ryan mcmahon a very capable second baseman a honestly almost gold glove caliber second base defender back to second base where he spent plenty of time and then you put alaris montero and nolan jones platooning at third base and it seemed like we were all set to do that because they've been doing that recently in spring training where McMahon's been playing at second base. And then we're getting more looks at Montero and Jones. And then all of a sudden today, it got announced that the Rockies are bringing in 34-year-old Mike Moustakis on a minor league deal. Uh, Mike Moustakis previously with the Cincinnati Reds, he signed was like four years, $64 million or something like that. Um, and really, really just struggled in Cincinnati with injuries and with production uh, where the Reds released him in January. Um, if Moustakis plays in the big leagues, the Rockies will play him, uh, pay him the league minimum for veterans this year. And the Reds will pay him $22 million. Um, so, you know, fine. It's a, it's a bargain minor league deal. But where it really got confusing is that this just seems to be the Rockies doing a weird Rockies thing because, and while we were all relieved to find out that Moose isn't going to play second base, which he hasn't hasn't played in two years, instead they want to use him as first, third DH, which are all positions where we already have more than enough people there. And I get that, oh, it's a, it's a, low low risk deal on a veteran lefty bat but if this if he ends up making the opening day roster then he is doing the time-honored rockies tradition of being an older veteran vampiring playing time away from prospects who need that playing time what do you guys think about the mustaka signing go ahead kenneth what do you got Uh, i think it's five years too late honestly so um i think that's when the rockies stop scouting everybody well no that's another thing where it comes to the rockies of it is they love to not only um look at players with uh rose tinted glasses of oh this former all-star look at these career accomplishments if he can just be that guy again then we'll, we'll be great and it's just like yeah but he's 38 and that was when it was 32 year old him that did those things um and also i think that, that there's just a little bit of regret sometimes with some players where they're like well we could have done this at the time and it would have been more sense because mike moustakis was on the table when they signed daniel murphy and Mike Moustakis ended up signing a one-year deal with Milwaukee. Um, and so it had an all-star year. Regardless, uh, there's no point to this. And I think the only reason that they're doing it is, one, they probably liked the scouting reports that they had on him back from the day because they seem to perpetually love their rap sheets on players, even though their careers have gone on for a long time elsewhere. And two, this would not have happened if he doesn't hit left-handed. Um, I'm kind of a firm believer on that, that they're just infatuated with the idea of we need more left-handed hitters in camp uh, because clearly there's a deficiency on us being able to um, balance the lineup. Uh, It's completely redundant to what the idea is behind Nolan Jones. And also there's no reason why 
Mike Moustakis should be getting an opportunity over Nolan Jones unless Mike Moustakis turns in an, a, a natural season. And I guess that's what the gamble has to be if you're trying to justify it all. Is there anything left in the tank? Nobody else has taken a flyer. We'll take a flyer. There's no harm, no foul when you do that for a week or two in camp. But I don't give the Rockies the benefit of the doubt that they're leaving it at that. I think that there there might ultimately be an idea to move Moustakas up the death chart because they have cold feet about whatever, you know, somebody like Nolan Jones. And that's uh, it's not really an acceptable way of handling the roster, in my opinion. Especially when you say they're infatuated with the idea of him being a lefty hitter. You know who else is a lefty? Michael Tolia is a switch hitter and bats well from the left. Grant Levine, lefty. Nolan Jones, lefty. We have I'll lefties. say Tolia. Yeah, I'll say Tolia. I understand the cold feet, at least in that scenario. Um, but so, yes, the, the, he's not the only one. And I think the Nolan Jones is the easiest apples to apples comparison that you can make. You specifically brought in Nolan Jones of this archetype of corner only guy, maybe can do a little bit of shifting between the outfield spots, third base and first base. And oh, by the way, he's left handed hitter with power. Well, that's what Mike Moustak has made an entire career out of while also, you know, moonlighting at second base for a little while. But at least that's sounding like it's taken off the table. So, um, Again, that's just redundant with what the idea is with Nolan Jones. And when it comes to that, why not give the opportunity to the younger cost-controlled guy that you just gave up assets for? That's the way I see it. Yeah, you mm-hmm. traded a pretty solid minor league second baseman in Juan Brito for Nolan Jones. And now you're going to potentially intentionally block him on the depth chart. When Nolan Jones is, what, 24 years old and is big league ready, basically? And yeah, and it, I'm I'm happy if uh, Mustakis gets a PCL All Star year. By the way, so if it ends up being that, I don't think he accepts it. I don't think the Rockies have any intentions of putting him in Albuquerque. But hey, if that's the way it is, more power to him. Keep playing. But that's that's the ideal scenario for me. Yeah, for me, it's it's something with giving Mustakis a look just as that backup to Nolan Jones, who's kind of struggling a little bit here in his first spring training with the Rockies. Uh, and it has that plenty of potential. I think doing the platoon with him, given that bit him that big league time would be more beneficial, but this in a way would give them an opportunity to say, Hey, we can give Nolan Jones some time down in triple a work with Jordan Pacheco, uh, get some action there down in triple a, maybe fix up some swing, gets some regular reps. So then if he spends a couple weeks there, spends a month there, all of a sudden we find Mike Moustakis not hitting that well okay, we can get rid of him. It doesn't cost us really anything and call up Nolan Jones and he can work there with Hilarious uh, Montero. Or he also gives them an option at first base of maybe they want to do a platoon with CJ Crone. Maybe they're they're still a little bit worried about CJ Crone with that hand and that production that gives them some boost there. Because I think Michael Tolian still needs some time down at AAA to work through some things because uh, he only played like two weeks there. So still needs a little bit of time there. Uh, the call-up last year, to me, was beneficial for him, and we've seen that potential. But I think give him some more time down in AAA to, to really get a acclim- acclimated uh, to the to the scenario and situation there. But yeah, it's, it's just confusing. Why bring in Moustakis when uh, you've already got all these corner infielders, all these options? You brought in Harold Castro and Cole Tucker to be kind of your utility guys that can play all those positions as well. 
and they're both able to hit from the left side, maybe with not as much power, but it's just a really confusing move. Um, I like what Drew Creaseman tweeted about the Rockies going for the infinity gauntlet of players they should have added back in the day, <laughs> like 2017 to 2020. That's what uh, I said. It's, it's like, I would have loved signing Mike Moustakis, you know, 2018. Yeah. But it's 2023. I think all their computers just died after the 2018, 2019 season, and they just haven't updated anything. Who knows? But it's a weird move. I hope Moustakis, there's two camps. Like, I would love to see Moustakis hit some bombs and do well, but it's also where I kind of hope he doesn't do great in the spring because of what that could mean for guys like Montero who seems poised to finally get his chance here a couple years removed from the Arenado trade to get his cemented spot at third base at the big league level. Yeah, yeah. I get what you guys are talking about with Michael Tolia needing more polish, definitely. Tolia is having kind of a a weird spring so far. He's, he's slashing 313, 476, 375, but he also leads the team in strikeouts with nine. Um, he's been a little all over the place. I do agree that he might need a little bit more polish. And it's the same with with Nolan Jones. Nolan Jones leads the team in at-bats so far this spring with 19. And he's only hitting 105, 150, 105. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, so he's two for 19 with no extra base hits, one walk, but eight strikeouts, just one behind Tolia. So it's tough to say for them. But then you have guys like Alaris Montero, who, as we've talked about at length, did not get nearly enough at bats last year when he was being moved up and down, up and down from triple a Albuquerque to the big league and back. And he's having a decent spring so far. He's not, you know, uncorking the power that we are, we're waiting for, but it's so early on in the spring. Um, he's hitting 250. He's only struck out twice and he's walked three times. We um, have seen him work on lowering that strikeout percentage over his last few years in the minor leagues and when he was with the Estrellas in the Dominican Winter League. And I've been joking of like, man, this team really hates Alaris Montero because it it definitely feels that way sometimes where last year when he had nothing left to prove in the minor league he was barely getting any at bats and kept getting bounced back and forth um so he couldn't really find a big league rhythm and now he has to compete with Mike Mustakis for that third base spot or the DH spot mhm it's a larger conversation that we've had many a times of the Rockies mismanagement of of players in the roster and it's kind of do or die right now with Montero because he's out of options. So I don't think they want to expose him to waivers. Otherwise, that's going to just continue to make the Arenado trade look worse and worse as it already does uh, look bad. And But it, it's do or die. Let him. You have a chance. You have the silver lining here. As Rodgers goes down, it opens another window of opportunity of, okay, we're going to let Montero go out there and just do his thing. Now, we're not aiming for a World Series here. We're aiming to just win some games and see what we have for the future. Because this is the same kind of thing Jim Tracy with Carlos Gonzalez in 2009-2010. Despite Cargo's struggles at the plate in 2009, Jim Tracy kept sending him out there because he believed in in the tools that this kid had, much to the chagrin of Ryan Spielborgs. Uh, but he's turned out all right. 
<laughs> but but if Jim Tracy hadn't given Cargo that opportunity, would we be talking about the legend that is Carlos Gonzalez in a Rockies uniform? You got to give these young, exciting players an opportunity to play. Could you imagine if the Seattle Mariners last year say, oh, Julio Rodriguez is going to make the opening day roster, and then they just never let him play? You got to let the young guys play. If you're gonna, if there's an opportunity, you put your best player out there and give them a chance to show what they've got. And hopefully, with McMahon at second, Montero finally can make most of that opportunity and show the power and and skill that he did down in the minors. Yeah, I'm gonna be curious to see a larger segment of Montero with third base. I mean, everybody sees his arm. Uh, I worry about the footwork still, but mm-hmm. again, it, it's relative to what the expectations are for this franchise. And so, you know, as Skyler said best, that's the silver lining of it. Now, it would have been ideal if you gave more of a clear path to playing time uh, in the off season without, you know, relying on a key contributor going down being what opens up the opportunity. Um, but you know, nothing we can control on that. Um, you know, I just I don't take to to finish the thought. I don't take the Moustakis signing that seriously yet. Um, mm-hmm. Since over the last three years, so from 2020 to 2022, Moustakis's line is 216, 300, 383, and he's 20% league average with an 80 OPS. Like he's he's fallen off a cliff over the past couple of years, and that's what 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 do the Reds have to put out there? The Reds are almost objectively a worse roster than anybody else in the league other than maybe, or they're in the same boat as Oakland and Washington. And even they looked at Mike Moustakis and they're like, we, we we can't put that out there. So um, again, if it's a flyer and you, you entertain it for a bit, great. But, uh, you know, Evan, I'm probably going to make your skin crawl a little bit with this. This, uh, this quacks a little bit like a Matt Adams duck. You know, I knew you were going to say it. I knew he was going to say it. <laughs> Rocky's but, legend, I mean, Matt Adams. Was, yeah, that's I, like seriously though. That was it was hair pulling scenario watching Matt Adams towards the end of that. And looking back on it, it was basically only. I mean, he was on the roster for two months, but he only got twenty something games worth of playing time, and even that felt like way too much. And so that's the d- disaster scenario. Is Montero for whatever reason is still not getting a full look to start the season because they want to give Moustakis as much runway as possible. It's not working out. You clearly have an alternative that makes a lot more sense in, you know, in your infield alignment to go with, but yet we're now sitting here in May saying, why is Mike Moustakis still in the lineup? You know, it, (laughs) it has some eerily similar vibes to that. And I think that's what we're all um, fretting could be the outcome. Mm Mm-hmm. And in the, like that case with Matt Adams, who was the better kind of veteran flyer they had taken something on down in Albuquerque was Greg Bird, who was really excited to be with the Rockies. And he seemed like the logical call-up instead of Matt Adams. And Greg Bird, who never sniffed the Rockies all 2021, despite having a really good year down in Albuquerque, never got a chance when there was because they wanted to stick with Matt Adams and whoever else. So yeah, it's it does kind of have that scent to it of, man, don't let this eat up playing time of somebody who deserves it instead of just handing it to some guy because you like what he did five years ago. Definitely. And, you know, all we can do right now is sort of wait and see. It's early enough in the spring, and 
and we'll wait and we'll see what happens. I just have a bad feeling about it. And I know that it's it's too early to make these kinds of calls, but like you said with Matt Adams, I've been burned on this before, and I just I don't trust it right now. And if, you know what, Moose was saying that over the last couple of years, especially in Cincy, he's been dealing with a lot of injuries in his feet and in his legs, and this is the... You know, the oft said, this is the best I've felt in years coming into spring training. And you know what? If he looks good enough in spring that it's like a, well, you sort of have to, fine. I get it. But like my best case scenario with this is that he is willing to take an assignment in AAA Albuquerque and be someone that we can call up if we have to versus starting him on the roster. Mm-hmm. And Hey, if he decides to take that assignment, that's great. And I hope he does well down in Albuquerque. It just as a depth piece, if nothing else, the best case scenario with the Moustak is signing is that he's simply a depth piece an an insurance policy. If somebody goes down, or somebody's really struggling and you can put him out there, but don't hold much hope in it because his glove's been terrible and the bat has just not been there since that year in Milwaukee, his last year in Milwaukee and everything. Yeah. Yeah. The only other thing I want to add, Moustakas has had a really good career. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, you know, this, this, this feels like kind of an end of, end of the road type of move. Um, and if As the Rockies any, are for so many people. But and so so many guys are in this situation. But the problem with it is, is it's, the, it's happening with the Rockies, and so there's a little bit more uncertainty with it. Where you're just like, instead of hey, why not give him a shot, one more spring training, and then you know that probably will prove to him that it's over. And instead, you look at it, the Rockies, and it's just like, oh no, is this going to be masochistic? Is this just going to be like, we we know this is going to hurt, and it's going to go on for way too long, and. Yeah, so I, I hope that, you know, if this is it for Moose and he hangs it up, it's been a good career. And so it's at least kind of cool to see that little, you know, that little ending chapter for him. Oh, absolutely. But it goes from, you know, I feel like if it was any other team, we'd be going, oh, cool. Why not give Moose a shot versus, oh, God, we're going to give Moose a shot. Yeah, yeah. And that's the, the the hard line you have to walk as a Rockies fan. So as a baseball fan, yeah, it's kind of Kind of cool to see Moustakis weirdly be, you know, on one baseball card wearing Rockies gear. And then on the other side of it, I'm going to be like, that's this is going to be a horrible first half. <laughs> yeah. And and I always say there's no such thing as a bad minor league deal. And I, I still believe that this is not a bad minor league deal. The issue is if it becomes more than just a minor league deal. Mm hmm. Mike Moustakis, we just want to be friends. We don't want to do anything. We don't want to take it anything more than that. I'm just not ready for that kind of commitment. <laughs> you have a really nice personality, Moose, but I don't like the. I don't like you in that way. My Denver sports for sports fan heart is only big enough for one Moose, and he's from Finland. I'm actually currently seeing a deer. Sorry, Moose. What? So stupid. No. <laughs> that was my one contribution on the whole thing. I got nothing. We're we're doing the whole breakup. It's not you, it's me advice. I went I went animal angle. Oh, He's not man. even the best moose in Colorado sports, by the way. Yeah, that's what I just said. 
Yeah, that belongs to me as part of the Alamosa Mean Moose. Is that a thing? Can, can it be Colorado Meese? What? <laughs> yeah, that's Meese my high school. My moose? high, the, my the high school down here. My high school mascot is yeah. the mo- Mean Moose. It, it could be a spring Meese season for Colorado sports. Moosen. I'm just according I'm, to Brian Regan. I'm still, Moosen. Yeah, I, I'm still <laughs> upset about the the plural for moose not being meese. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna die on that hill. You got a box of moosen. <laughs> well, we're gonna take a really quick break here, and then when we get back from our little ad break, we have one more signing to talk about, and then we will dive headfirst into uh, more spring training updates. So hang out for just a minute. We'll be right right back. Hello and welcome back to Affected by Altitude. Uh, I am joined by Skyler and Kenneth still. Uh, we're going to keep talking uh, spring training. But first, the Rockies do have one more acquisition that we need to talk about. And that is that uh, at time of recording yesterday, the Rockies signed uh, left-handed reliever Brad Hand to a one-year major league contract uh, with a guaranteed $2 million uh, mark on it. Uh, comes with a... Uh, base salary of $1.5 million with a $500,000 buyout for 2024 if the Rockies do not utilize a $7 million club option. And he will gain a additional $1 million if he is still on the roster for opening day. Uh, Brad Hand is the lefty that has been chosen to replace Lucas Gilbreth in the, uh, in the bullpen. Gilly was shut down. Uh, prematurely last season with uh, flexor strain in his pitching elbow, um, rehabbed that elbow and got a platelet-rich plasma injections throughout the offseason, just didn't take. And now it's looking like uh, Tommy John is in his future here, uh, which is really unfortunate because Gilly was uh, probably one of our more valuable pitchers overall last year. And his rookie season was very good as well. So it's a real it's a real shame to lose him for potentially the entire season and longer because of Tommy John. But the Rockies needing a lefty decided to go to the free agent market and they brought in Brad Hand. Fellas, what do you think? Not it too shabby. Be better. <laughs> go ahead, Skyler. Uh this I think the big reason is I'm fine with it. I think it's a decent move. If he can continue the success he had in Philadelphia last year, good year uh, last year in Philadelphia. Uh, but there was a nice article in MLB Trade Rumors that I saw was asking the question of was Brad Hand good or just lucky last year? Because you know, FBI has him at a near a four, and his ERA was about like two eighty or something. So it, there's definitely a big mixed bag there with Brad Hand. Doesn't have as as good a stuff as he used to. Not he's going to get the swing and misses he used to. The whiffs tries to rely on more contact and stuff. Something the Rockies love. But it's nice to have maybe a little bit more established big league lefty to replace Gilbreth because that's kind of been the focus that we see in spring training. The Rockies brought in Fernando Abad, who's hasn't been very good. Josh Rogers, uh, Ty Block, Logan Allen. Uh, a couple of these guys brought him in and the depth and performance we're seeing as spring training isn't as promising. So you bring in Brad hand to kind of secure that left-handed bullpen side to pair with Brent Suter. It's not an ideal one. Lucas Gilbreth 
would have been obviously more preferred. But I'm okay with this move. It's a decent one. I just hope they don't pick up the $7 million option for next year. But right now, it's kind of another one of those low-risk bullpen moves one year from the left side. I think that's the big thing. There are a lot of promising right-handers that likely do need deserve a spot. But the problem is they don't throw left-handed. And that's something the Rockies have struggled with over the years where Gilbreth has been the lone lefty out there. We've seen it in other years where the Rockies just don't have left-handed relievers. And so this secures you know, another guy, veteran presence in the back end of the bullpen that can slot in there somewhere where your sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth inning guys, you're getting a little bit more depth there, which is kind of nice to see. So I, I'm all right with this move. It's not perfect. It's not great. But for what's happened, it's a good a good pivot for me. Kenneth, what do you think? Uh, I mean, at this point in this is this is the the Rockies waiting until the bargain bit and the the crowd around it dies down a little bit. Um, so, yeah, what more can you ask for? Um, when you're in the middle of spring training, then a uh, featured lefty out of a World Series team's bullpen from the previous year. Yeah, on paper, that's a fine acquisition. I think the contract um, sets up higher expectations than Hand is going to be able to achieve because not only is it a one-year deal, something like $2 million with a assignment bonus of you know $1 million, so kind of making it a $3, 4000000 million one-year deal with a $7 million option for year two. He hasn't made seven. He hasn't been worth seven million dollars since he was in Cleveland. And yeah, with a five hundred thousand buyout, so maybe that's what got it over the finish line and got the deal done. Whatever. I don't see him being worth seven million dollars for twenty twenty four. I think, and Mario did a good um, discussion about this in the Slack channel. When it comes to Brad Hand specifically, uh, that slider has slowed down considerably. It has a very high arc. It stands out from a pitch, um, and the velocity has dropped on it significantly too he's generally sitting about 77 to 80 on it where it used to be a hard 83 to 85 to offset a 93 to 95 mile an hour fastball it's now 91 to 92 with a 78 mile an hour slider that is meant to get soft contact and he throws that slider about 50 percent of the time i think this is a perfect recipe for a guy who's just going to get lit up uh, honestly at home um, and I don't love that aspect, but at the same time, I at least understand that beggars can't be choosers um, at this point in the off season. And yeah, if you're down a lefty, you got to find somebody and that's a fine flyer to take it on. Or you could have preemptively gone after somebody like Taylor Rogers in the off season, instead of having now the situation where you have suitor and hand and coming out of your bullpen, two very similar lefties that could very well struggle at Coors Field. And that's that's a, a beast of their own making. Yeah. And there was there was a reason that Hand had not been signed yet this late into the offseason. And you look at you look at his slider from 2021 when he was with the the uh, I think he mixed between the Nationals, the Blue Jays, and the Mets. And there was still some some good in that slider, but last year it really took another dip down velocity wise, where it's not going to and it's not going to sweep as much. Uh, at Coors Field, and he might get punished. But if he if he doesn't, if he's at least a serviceable veteran reliever, okay, that's that's a solid pickup for two million dollars for one year. But 
I feel like this is something that we probably could have addressed in terms of left-handed depth way earlier. Mm-hmm. But at this point, you're right. You know, beggars can't be choosers. Yeah, uh, this is oh, go one one final point on the left-handed side. Uh, this also proves that they needed to stop putting so much emphasis on Ryan Rollison returning because that was going to be the other left-handed option out of the bullpen. And the most recent report uh, two days ago was they still weeks away from throwing action. He had major reconstructive surgery in June, and they were just like, nah, I'll be fine, even though he hasn't basically thrown in three years before that point. So again, poor, poor planning up to this point led to this signing more so than Brad Hand being a good option. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what we lose here, like what you said, Hand and Suter kind of fit into the same mold where they're not, they're a little bit more soft tossing lefties now. Whereas Gilbreth, that was going to be a good combo with Suter of Gilbreth who can throw hard, you know, mid nineties or so. And then Suter who then you take that step back and you can kind of mix and match with those lefties. But now, you kind of have two soft tossing guys relying on kind of breaking balls and coming in from the left side, you don't get much variety. And so you can basically send either or, and it might not make as, as big a difference as we would hope. So I think that's the thing that hurts the most of losing Gilbreth is you lose that variety in a left-handed reliever. Instead, now where you got guys that throw in maybe upper eighties, if we're lucky, but those sliders that they're going to have to rely on. Because I have faith in Suter, but hand, it's going to be a little bit more up in the air of what can he bring to the table that's going to be different enough to help in that bullpen. I want to just bring up real quick, ironically, as we're having this conversation, Brett Suter just gave up a 115-mile-an-hour home run to Trey Mancini. Yeah, see? Yep. I was going to... If you didn't bring that up, I was going to. And it's... Once again, it's it's an issue of the Rockies' own making where we could have addressed bringing in more more lefties earlier because the only lefties on the Rockies' 40-man right now are Lucas Gilbreth, who will probably be going on the 60-day IL, uh, Austin Gomber, who they want to have back in the rotation, but he's really been struggling a bit so far this spring, and now uh, Brad Hand, Suter, and then Ryan Rolison. And, And like you said, Rollison is just not ready. I'm honestly at the point where I am concerned if Rollison ever even makes it to the big leagues with just the extensive injuries he's had recently. Um, And so, like, this is something that the Rockies, as with their starting pitching depth, which we talked about a couple of episodes ago, this is something that they could have addressed and did not address until it was too late. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. I hope Brad Hand does well. I do. But I'm I'm in the same same boat as you guys where he his stuff is in a prime position to get sort of lit up at cores. Yeah. If he can get crafty enough uh, at this, because that's what guys at this age have to you know that near the, the twilight years of their career, they can't rely on the good stuff that they used to have. So now they have to try and get a little bit more crafty and. It's going to be a matter of can he get crafty and adapt enough at Coors Field and you no know, traveling on the road and dealing with that whole effect. If he can do that and he replicates success from Philadelphia, then this looks like a little steal from a single year. But like you said, Kevin, please don't pick up that $7 million option. <laughs> that can be, that money can be put somewhere else. 
I have no idea how that could happen. Um, just one one little trivia piece here. On MLB.com, do you have any idea what uh, the nickname is listed for Brad Hand? I saw somebody who was like Raptor. No, that's Suter. So I think Suter's Raptor. Uh, the Handyman. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea. Although the Hand could, of Monos. Could, they're probably better than what's listed, which is Brotein Shake. <laughs> I don't believe that for a minute. Look it up, man. MLB. Yo, bro, we got the protein. I mean, I believe that it's on MLB.com. I don't believe that anyone's actually called him that. Well, uh, allegedly, uh, the league does. They they call in to the, the clubhouse and they say, yeah, is protein there? We need to talk to him real quick. I just like the idea of Brett Hand going to his teammates in the bullpen like, hey, guys, call me protein. I'm protein now. And they're just like, no, Brad, shut up. <laughs> I'm gonna see a baseball reference. What they if they have anything here? I'm not going to call you that, Bradley. Yeah, <laughs> this is gonna be a complete opposite <laughs> yeah. way. You've lost Brad now. All right, you're Bradley. I used to always with, with Daniel Bard when potato or protein shake. When I'm happy with Daniel Bard, you, you know I call him Bardo the Bard. Uh, when I'm unhappy with Daniel Bard, I call him Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, Bro- why? Daniel, why did you walk that batter? Brotato. Brotato bridge to Bard. Oh, no. <laughs> Brosidon, king of the Brotion. Oh, oh boy. Well, let's move nickname. on. Let's move His on. His favorite from... movie is Brometheus. Nobody's favorite movie is Brometheus. <laughs> but we're going to move on from the acquisition of Brad Hand and dive into a little bit of spring training stuff here. Um, so we're a little over our first full week into spring training. There's a couple different things that we're looking at. I think the first thing we're going to take a look at is we have sort of a, a battle for the utility man spot between uh, Cole Tucker and Harold Castro. And that's been interesting to watch so far. Uh, Cole Tucker has been getting a lot of starts in center field. Uh, versus Harold Castro has been a little bit more all over the place, though he is, I think, in center field for today's game against the Cubs. Um, what I'm really curious to see is who sort of ends up on top like that, because you have two pretty different players where um, Castro is definitely the better hitter on paper, um, and Tucker is younger and the better defender, but... They've both had pretty interesting springs so far. They both played uh, a pretty decent amount. Uh, Cole Tucker has 16 at bats uh, so far, and he's hitting 375, 444, 750. He has uh, he has one home run here so far this spring, and uh, Harold Castro has no home runs, but has been you know hitting better. Castro is hitting 545, 545. Uh, 818 in 11 at bats and has a double and a triple. Um, I feel like it's, I think it's tricky. I think either one of them could end up on the opening day roster. You also have Alan Trejo sort of in the mix, um, though Alan Trejo does not have the uh, outfield versatility that Tucker and Castro do. Um, and I know, I know Mario will be unhappy with me because he frankly doesn't really want either of them, but he especially doesn't want 
uh, Harold Casher on the opening day roster. But I think it's more of a possibility now, especially with Brendan Rogers going down. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on this sort of utility man position battle? Who would you prefer? Who do you think is currently on top? Uh, Mike Moustakis. Um, <laughs> no, it, it's tough now because figuring coming into spring training, I figured, oh, Harold Castro, he's probably going to get it because he he hits a little bit better. Despite the defense, he probably has a little bit better bat and has proven it at the big league level, whereas Colt Tucker hasn't proven it at the big league level yet. But now these are the kind of battles you hope for in spring where these two guys are kind of going head to head. And we've seen them all play the same positions. They've spent time at second base, center field, left field. We're seeing them bounce around who can play better defensively and bring the bat. And and so that's it's going to be a tough one. I could even see a scenario where both of them make the roster somehow. It would be weird, but I don't know how they work that out. But maybe it is, and maybe Alan Trejo all of a sudden finds himself on the trading block. You know, say the Dodgers call up and hey, we'll take we'll take Alan Trejo. We need a shortstop who maybe has a little bit more pop. Maybe there's a trade there, or all this other stuff. There's a lot of scenarios, and so it's kind of tough to tell right now. But personally, I'm fine with either one, which is a good thing to have. But it's tough. I'm undecided at the moment. Do I want Vanessa Hudgens having to watch Rockies games or do I want Harold Castro hitting singles and maybe bobbling a play or two? I mean, Vanessa Hudgens has been this road before. He used to play for the Pirates, you know. Yeah, and she's been there at spring training, so we know she's there. Hmm. I'm not excited about either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm similar to Mario where, like, yeah, if, it, if it's one, it feels like – uh um Castro is going to have the inside track. And I think that there's enough fair criticism for Cole Tucker's bat in regular season action to this point in his career that cast doubt on really how much of a mirage is his spring training numbers. Um, while Castro is a little bit more of a proven commodity, at least offensively, um, neither is anything good defensively, but you know, Tucker is better. Um, I would still say maybe you can lean on to the average side at the end of the day. So yeah, neither of them really garners that much appeal for me. I think if it ends up having to choose between one, it ends up being Castro. Um, I think that Alan Trejo's 2022 season is getting thrown up by the wayside a little too much for my liking. Um, I understand that you're looking for somebody that can slot not only on the middle infield, but also for center field for the utility. Uh, but maybe you should have thought about that before, you know, we got to spring trading on having somebody other than Randall Gritchick be the only other capable center fielder um, on the major league roster. So um, it, it sucks if it's a requisite where center field has to be the case because Trejo just hasn't had the chance to really um, get the experience there to be in the conversation the same way that Tucker and, and Castro are. Um but if it came down to it, I would prefer to have uh, Trejo get the uh, you, the backup middle infield job um, over either two of Castro or Tucker. The, See, the way I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, the way I look at this is who's going to be the new Garrett Hampson? Because that's really the role they're filling is who can be Garrett Hampson now, just can hit from yeah. the left side. And that's really the battle those two are going for, whereas Trejo is still kind of in that weird space. 
of but I think that, what are that you? takes Trejo's spot. Yeah. We're now deciding that it has to be our Garrett Hampson archetyped, mm-hmm. but just left-handed and hopefully better. But chances are it's going to end up being just Garrett Hampson again. Yeah. But yeah. lesser defensively and left-handed. So if why? you wanted Garrett Hampson, you know what you could have done is kept Garrett Hampson. And taught him how to bat left-handed. Yeah. Which maybe, maybe would have been worth it. <laughs> See, I, I love Garrett Hampson, so I'm biased on this um, because I know that while he definitely struggled last year, he was my boy, and I I loved him a great deal. I'm very sad to see him go. But Alan Trejo is also my boy. Like I love Alan Trejo. He's been really solid down in AAA, and he was pretty solid with the big league club last year. And I think it's really unfair to him how little of an opportunity to be a starter he has gotten where, like, you could teach him outfield. They did it with Connor Joe. Like, you could teach him left field. or I don't think he'd be able to play center field. He he doesn't really have the, the same legs for it as, say, Cole Tucker or Garrett Hampson. But he can play second, short, and third. We've seen him play third. He plays it okay. You could probably put him in left or right. He's got an okay arm, and his bat is is pretty good and has some pop to it. We saw him hit a, a really nice home run yesterday. And I agree with you, Kenneth, that it really feels like by bringing in Tucker and Castro and now Mustakas that they're they're just sort of putting Trejo out to the wayside. And that's that's such a bummer for me because I feel like he deserves much more of an opportunity. And you know, if I had to pick between the two in terms of long-term viability for Castro and Tucker, I'd probably pick Tucker just because he's 26 and has that first-round pedigree. But honestly, the utility player should be Alan Trejo. I feel like he's earned that at this point. And it's tough to think where you're going to make the room if either Tucker or Castro make the team because you're going to have to trade or DFA somebody. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that's why I propose, like, Put Alan Trejo on the block, maybe shop him around. If he's not going to get the opportunity in Colorado, you owe it to him to give him an opportunity yeah. somewhere else. He and I'm sure a, there's plenty of teams that would take a flyer on him. He is a good enough player that he deserves the opportunity that we are are not giving him. And I will say, first of all, you mentioned Los Angeles. No, absolutely not. How dare you? Hey, but they need it. And they got good prospects. No, absolutely not. How dare you? But, and it's the same, it's the same way I feel with Alaris Montero right now is that you've got this guy who has nothing really left to prove in the minor league system. They're a big league ready player deserving of big league opportunities and we're not giving it to him. And it's, I, I said the same thing earlier that if the Rockies aren't going to give Montero the opportunity that he deserves, then they need to trade him to a team that will. And I'm, I'm the same way about Trejo. I love Alan Trejo. I think he's he's a he's a nice guy. He's got the grit that the Rockies love, but he's also a pretty talented player. And like if on moving on from Garrett Hampson, my assumption was going to be that all right, well, now we have Trejo. Trejo's our super utility guy. And instead they brought in multiple camp bodies to compete for that spot. And that's that's frustrating to me. Do you think Alan Trejo's commitment to Team Mexico maybe also might put a damper on his role with the team because he won't be in spring training camp. 
but then that will have any effect. But then why wouldn't you say the same about, you know, Kyle Freeland or Jake Bird or because those guys are established already. Daniel Bard or they were they were OK with letting a bunch of other people commit to uh, World Baseball Classic teams. But Kyle Freeland and Alan Trejo aren't the same. You know, but do you kind of get what I'm saying where this is a guy that is was wanting to fight for a spot, but then is heading out to team, which is great. It shouldn't hold against him, go play for his country and everything. But I wonder if that has any impact, you know? It's definitely possible. Yeah, I think uh, I think Bird and Trejo are better apples to apples in that that area of discussion because Freeland is obviously a whole other thing. Um, I think that this just goes to show how lukewarm the organization has been on, on Trejo in general mm-hmm. um, the entire time. And it's not just, you know, uh, an isolated case of Alan Trejo maybe not getting the opportunity he deserves. You can look at guys lower on the totem pole of like Coco Montez. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys with the organization. And for me, like I'm a big Nick Bush fan. Um, but I don't see them ever giving him the opportunity to be one of those left-handed guys in a long reliever or back of the rotation role. There's just some guys that the organization is higher on than others. And that's why Garrett Hampson got the runway that he did for as long as he did is they were always very high on Garrett Hampson. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't think that they've ever really been that high. Um, anything more than just a guy with Alan Trejo. Um, and I will add that if he does go to the Dodgers, I'm totally fine with that, but there has to be a division tax. So I will take one Bobby Miller, please. Uh, maybe a Diego <laughs> Cartaya. I would do that trade. So let's pull, let's pull a Yankees trade. Give us Julio Urias and exactly. we'll give you Alan Trejo. Oh, I don't want yeah. Urias anywhere near this team. Somebody I like Freddie Freeman. I'll yeah, take we'll Freddie Freddie Freeman. Freeman. We'll take Freddie Freeman. And you know what? Why not uh, grab Gavin Lux and see how he recovers from his injury? Mm-hmm. And they can throw in Mickey and bets too cash. and pay his entire contract. <laughs> we, we have a $51 million hole in our pocket right now. Can you fill that, please? <laughs> Works uh, for Yankees fans. A guy who has, if you're if you're not clear on what we're joking about, it, it got put out today by guys like um, Sherman and Heyman of like, oh, well, why don't the Rockies trade with the Yankees for, say, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa? to fill the injury void and it always is like especially with teams like the yankees of oh we will give you this bucket with some stuff in it and you give us everything that you have that's valuable yeah when we offer that to the cardinals (laughs) i so uh, there's one thing when it comes because the trades are absolutely ludicrous and it all just comes from a position of oh we we find this as a believable fleece from you know our our standpoint um why don't the rockies ever want to try to take on a bad contract from another team like the yankees because they don't like that's one money i understand that but so it's it's a bummer to look at something like this for an organization that's constantly complaining that they don't quite have the the depth needed for the big league roster but oh our farm system is so yay if you look at an aaron hicks and that's the flyer guy that you take but you make it worth you're wild to take on that contract, then you can bolster your system that much faster. And yeah, fine. Then you take on an, you know, a kind of Falefa, but it also comes with two more prospects attached to it. That's yeah. just an area that they've never explored. That has always irked me a little bit. Kenneth, are you just trying to justify your Aaron Hicks trade in the SB nation? I, off-season I sim? Yeah, but no, that's <laughs> the thought process behind it. 
Honestly, so like there, so Esteban uh, Floriel is probably going to be a good outfielder that can handle some center field. Um, uh, it's it's just another avenue that it never seems to be actually explored from the Rockies, and if they want to bolster their system, that's when they they could do it, and also piss off a Sherman and Heyman along the way. So that's fun. <laughs> there you go, makes it all worth it. <laughs> all right. Well, last thing we'll talk about here um, is a guy who already has a spot on the roster and that's Chris Bryant who is looking good and is looking healthy here uh, in spring training so far, just hit his third home run of spring a little bit earlier today. He looks healthy, um, no longer dealing with the plantar fascia and his back issues from last year. But the big thing that's been talking about is that Chris Bryant is probably going to be playing more in right field this year than left field like he did last year. Yeah, that's kind of coming from a the Thomas Harding article where he talked to Chris Bryant, where right field's probably going to be a little bit more in play. I don't think they were saying he's going to be there permanently full time, but he's probably going to get some more reps out there instead of having him play left field all the time. So maybe like on the road in some stadiums, he's going to play right field or play left field. And then maybe at Coors Field, he plays right field a little bit more often because it's just less strain on his body and on his legs because I like his quote where that left center field gap is really big. It's like a graveyard out there. And that probably contributed to the, some of the back issues, the plantar fasciitis and everything. But it's good to use his versatility, move him in the corner, in f- outfield, right field is that spot for him. I think especially long term. And with Charlie Blackman, who's going to get some reps out there as well still. Chris Bryant, or not Chris Bryant, Randall Gritchick will come back, play right field. You can move those guys around, but I think it's what's going to be less taxing on the body, and right field is that case for Chris Bryant. And you have plenty of guys that can play left field maybe a little better and everything's. But there was the rumor they were thinking, oh, maybe he'll slot into third base. But I like Chris Bryant showing that leadership of like, no, maybe if I prepared all offseason for that, but I'm not going to jump in there now. We've got other guys to do it. And I, I really appreciated that comment from him of, no, I'm playing outfield more or less. And now he could have easily said, oh, sweet, yeah, I'll go play third base. But him realizing, no, there's other guys who can play that, like Montero, Nolan Jones, Mike Moustakis. This was before he knew about Mike Moustakis. Oh, he knew the whole time. It was him who signed him. <laughs> He's Shadow the GM, contract. Chris Bryant. Yeah, for, for me, it just boils down to you need Chris Bryant, the hit first and foremost mm-hmm. so whatever helps you keep chris bryant's bat in the lineup um that's the priority and it also makes sense um with with colorado there should really ideally be two center fielders on the roster to man left field and center field and really uh, manage that left center gap because it is a death valley out there um so i have no problem with the move i don't understand the idea of complaining behind the move uh, Chris Bryant has proven that he can handle corner positions just fine. There's not going to be a substantial difference when you put him in right field, and it's not going to be as bad as like Charlie Blackman has unfortunately become as you know a right fielder. So, uh, I don't I don't understand what the problem is with the idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. the the key for Chris Bryant is his bat, and judging how he's looked so far in spring, where he looks healthy, he's got some pop. I I feel like he's going to have a good year, and that's what we need from him. Mm-hmm. Just Pay please stay healthy. Yeah. Yep. 
And then very last guy, uh, Armand Marquez made his first start of spring training. Um, looked pretty good. Uh, it's going to be a big year for Armand, especially with how, um, how much he struggled, especially at the beginning of the year last year. Armand, like Charlie Blackman, is is very much a creature of habit. Um, he needs his full startup time. He needs the full spring training. He needs to follow his his routines. And so far, you know, he had the he had the one start. He struck out two batters, walked one in two innings, looked pretty solid. It was relying on that knuckle curve. His mechanics looked good. Um, so I'm really hoping for uh for a good year from Erman this year. Going back to uh being the ace of the rotation. Yeah, just good. speaking with him in the clubhouse last year, he was he was noticeably down um as the season went along. So um I think anything to get that confidence uplifted again um is gonna go a long way in seeing that picture that we saw for you know the three years of eighteen to twenty one. Yeah, it would be good if he can carry because we saw him have a good spring last year. And then it was just kind of the regular season that kind of had him go through the ebbs and flows. Yeah. And it would be nice to just kind of ramp it up and get back to a normal routine and carry that success that any success he sees in spring training, remember that and continue it on into the regular season. Yeah. Because that, we see that with a lot of guys, but it's important. Marquez, what there's about one two more of your club option years or something on his contract left. He's coming near the end of his contract with the Rockies. And so he's got that extra motivation. If the Rockies don't keep him around, he's playing for a contract and let that motivate him. And hopefully he can get back to his old self. Should be good to see. Yeah. This is actually his last guaranteed year. And then he has the club option in 2024. Mm-hmm. And unless he has a really terrible year, I'd be shocked if the Rockies didn't exercise that club option. Um, but, but we'll see. And, and while I'm sad that Irman is not getting to play for team Venezuela in the world baseball classic, I also think it's not necessarily a bad thing because it gives him more time to focus on getting right and getting ready for this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. Um, for guys like, you know, Kyle Freeland and, and Daniel Bard, they don't necessarily need the same kind of warm up tune up time of, you know, Erman, who had a difficult last last year, both mechanics wise and confidence wise. And I think this this spring and how the season starts is going to be important for him. Mm-hmm. It's do or die. Hey, if it's not going to happen because they don't trade their guys at the trade deadline, he's doing really good and the Rockies are well out. They're going to get some calls still at the deadline. And if you get the right deal, Give them that chance somewhere else. Yeah, the interest around the league has never waned for Marquez, and I think even in the offseason they had to be fielding quite a few calls about him and people just looking for a discounted price. So it could be the opportunity to sell high. Um, that gets into a whole other can of worms with the Rockies' front office and actually you know, striking while iron is hot. But uh, none of that really comes to fruition if he comes out and is you know riding the struggle bus the way he was last year. Um, because then it's a huge change in narrative. So a lot of the Rockies' good intentions for this season rely on Marquez rediscovering it. Like, that's one of the foundational pieces for this whole we think we're a 500 club. A lot of it comes back to Herman Marquez ace 
that he was, you know, 2019 status returning. Yeah, because your depth gets really not great after him if he struggles. You don't have a lot of reinforcements coming behind. Definitely. And, you know, like so many other things where we're a little over a week into spring training, all we can really do is wait and see. Hope for the best and see what comes of it. We have about a month until uh, the home opener uh, against the uh, Washington Nationals on April 6th. And um, a little under a month until we have um, opening day against the Padres. So all we can do is wait and see. But that is about going to do it for us here on Affected by Altitude. I want to thank you all for joining us. Um, as always, uh, you can catch us on on Twitter. You can catch us on purplerow.com. Um, you know, go on to purplerow.com, give any articles you like a read or a share. Um, every click matters. Um, Skyler, where can the folks find you at on the medias? So they'll find me on social media at, or on Twitter at sideline underscore crowd. Uh, Wednesday rock piles as always and go check out my appearance on the locked on Rockies podcast appreciate Paul having me on last week it was last Tuesday so basically a week from when you're seeing this on Monday a week ago fun times talking about Don Baylor and, and whatnot and we'll try and get Paul on here one of these days and Kenneth where can we find you uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at kdub1988. Um, you can find me over at Purple Row uh, every Monday. My rock piles will be going up. And then as the minor league season comes along, we'll have the Pebble Report attached to those. And then uh, every now and then you'll see me pop in with Patrick Lyons over at DNVR. So you can always find me causing mischief over the, on that side of the table too. And you can find me at, at Evan underscore Lang 27 on Twitter and at Purple Row doing the Thursday Rock Piles day after Skyler. You can also hit us up at the official Affected by Altitude Twitter, which is at Altitude Effect. But that is going to do it for us. We will catch you next time. Uh, Skyler, hit him with it. Farewell.